0: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get
1: your podcasts. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum.
2: Ted, wake up. Huh? You look exactly like me. I am you, Ted, from the future. You need to call Progressive. What? Why? Well, they have 24-7 protection when you bundle your home and auto. And my teleportation cube just smashed into your car. Wait, you crashed into my car? Technically, it's our car. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto.
1: We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hello everyone and welcome to Stack in the Box. I am Matt Vertoram alongside Josh Hill and this week we are going to do something a little bit different. Now, I write Stack in the Box as a column every Monday morning. It goes up 6 a.m. Eastern on fansided.com. It's about 2,500 words in length. It's a whole bunch of different topics. Hopefully you read it. If you don't, please check it out. I think you'll like it. Uh, But we never really mix the podcast and the column. They're kind of their own separate entities. Even though they're under the same stack-in-the-box umbrella, we try to bring two different things each week. And so that's going to change just for this week because my column on Monday ran down 10 things and I'm looking forward to seeing how they play out come the regular season. And it really turned into 10 questions I have going into the season. And when we were talking about what to do with the podcast. Obviously, right now, OTA is going on, mandatory mini-cancers from teams going on. But thankfully, there haven't been big injuries. There haven't been these explosive things coming out. So we're going to kind of take that 30,000-foot view. We're going to look forward to what could happen. And so we decided we're going to expound upon those 10 questions that I have looking forward to the season. So if you read the column, we're going to go deeper. And if you haven't read the column, well, then it doesn't matter to you. You're just going to get these ten questions. And so uh, we're going to dive right in. But it's just, te- again, ten questions I have going into the season, and Hill can put his opinion on it as well. And, uh, Mr. Hill, since you have the column right in front of you, and I have no memory, what was, uh, what was the first thing that was on the list? Well, let's run
2: it right down from the top. So, number one. And this is in no order. It's not like you're playing favorites here, right? But this is a very topical one. Are the Browns actually going to live up to the hype this year?
1: Yeah, you know we've we've talked a lot about the Browns. I feel like even dating back to the beginning of the podcast. Oh yeah, when Hugh they were Jackson, sixteen, Hugh Jackson. We would sit here all the time and say the Browns deserve better. I think that that question for me depends on. Who you're asking because some people are much higher on the Browns than others, but mm-hmm. I think there's this general idea that look, they're gonna win the division, they're gonna be a playoff team, they're gonna maybe even advance in the postseason. I just worry with Cleveland about two things. One is the head coach. Yep. He's never coached the game in his life as that you know leader of a team. And I I my question is look, they have a lot of personalities on that team. Mm-hmm. Odell, Mayfield, Jarvis Landry. If if Freddie Kitchens gets into one of their grills, so to speak, does, do they listen to him or do they go, Who the hell are you? Are you kidding me? Don't talk to me like that. So that's one question I have. The other question I have, and it kind of ties into that. Let's say the Browns are one and two or two and three to start the year, things are going all south, getting a lot of criticism. Mm-hmm. Who's the one who steps up and stems that tie in that locker room? Because none of them want anything. I think the talent's there to justify the hype. And I and I am picking them to win the division. But I don't think they're a contender in the AFC. So I guess depending on your version of where their hype train is, take that for what it's worth. But I, I think they're good. I think, they're, I think they'll are win the division partially because I also think the division stinks. Yeah. But I, I think. do I think they're on the level of the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Pats? No, I don't think that.
2: Uh, yeah, this is either going to go—I don't think there's a lot of middle ground the more I think about it with the Browns. It's either going to go really well, they're going to make the playoffs, it's going to be a story that we're talking about at the end of the year, and then we're hyping them going into 2020 as Super Bowl contenders, more so than we are now, or this is going to go incredibly poorly. And 8-8, eight and eight, you could argue, would be defined as going incredibly poorly here, because no they question. have Odell Beckham, they've got you know Sheldon Richardson, they've got Olivier Vernon. Greedy Williams is there. Like, they've got all the—Kareem uh, Kareem Hunt. Hunt is there. Baker Mayfield's in year two.
1: They are loaded with that.
2: Across the board. Todd Monken is there now, so we saw what he did in Tampa. I mean, they weren't, weren't winning games, but he was able to get Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw, to throw for 400 yards a game and score 30, 40 points. Uh, well, not 40, because they would have won a lot more games if they'd scored 40. But they're scoring in the high 30s. If you can do that with Baker, you can do this with this electric offense. David Njoku, you've got guys in the back, you know. Uh,
1: you've got Duke Johnson. Still. You've got Nick Chubb. You've got Antonio Callaway and Short Higgins on the outside. It, there's a
2: ton of talent here. So And then that's why there's no middle ground. Or they're slowly becoming no middle ground. Because 8-8, eight and eight, if this team finishes in second place, or God forbid, third place, or misses.
0: Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra.
2: It's going to be apocalyptic at the end of the season because, like you said, Freddie Kitchens is going to be the scapegoat. We need a coach in here. We need to do something. It's not going to be Baker yet. Odell's probably going to get his fair share of oh, yeah. the gripes because he's oh, yeah. Odell and he'll probably do some things to invite that criticism upon him as he's done in the past. But the more I think about it, the more I'm nervous for the Browns because there's one of two ways that this goes. It's either goes really well or it goes bad. And then we're, we, maybe it's our own fault because we forced this narrative onto ourselves that the Browns are always bad. It's always a five-alarm fire that if they go 8-8, eight and eight, which is an improvement, and they miss the playoffs, which is nothing new, it's somehow a bad thing. But it's because they're so loaded, and, and Dorsey's gone all in, it seems.
1: Yeah, look— it, and- Eight and eight would only be a half game for them because yeah. they went 71 last year. So I think a lot of people would look at that as a failure for sure. And the other part of this is look, it's easy to be lovable and fun and goofy when you suck all the time. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden they're expected to win. And there's no yeah. the LeBron in Cleveland that everybody can say, well, at least with basketball season. No, 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 no. And, and the Indians, they're, they're selling everybody and their mother off here <laughs> in the next six months with that new ownership group. So. This is it. Like The Browns are back as the lead dog here in Cleveland. And I just – I think the talent's there. I will say this. I'll, I'll leave it at this. I think the season, the beginning of the season, the first month, is going to tell you a lot about how this thing's going to go. Because if they get out to a hot start, I think a lot of those questions go away. Winning cures a lot of bills. If they struggle out of the gate, if they, you know, and we, we talked about it last week on the podcast, they start home to Tennessee, then they're at the Jets on Monday Night Football, then yep. they play the Rams if that starts out poorly, this thing could go downhill in a hurry. So I think the beginning of the year for Cleveland is more important than even for most teams.
2: Speaking of another team that seems to have this narrative attached to them, will the Bears avoid regression and be an NFC power in 2019?
1: When I picked every single regular season game for our NFL schedule release, extravaganza, whatever you want to call it, I picked the Bears to win the division. And I, got it, and I picked them to go to the NC title game. And you know what? i got to be honest. The more I thought about that, the more I'm kind of freaked out by it. I think their defense will be very good. I think it will regress slightly just because it almost has to. Yeah. But I still think they're very good. Their offense scares the hell out of me. And, look, I get it. Nagy's a good head coach. And I like Nagy a lot. He was terrific in Kansas City. I think he'll continue to be a very good head coach. Their offense scares the hell out of me because I have no faith in Trubisky. Trubisky last year was not good. And if you don't believe me, go watch the game he played against New England. Go watch the first three quarters of that playoff game. Go watch the game against the Rams where he couldn't complete a pass. He he, he does not play well, especially against better teams. And I look around that offense, and last year it was we got Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton. What did any of them do? Nothing. Alan Robinson's a good player. Trey Burton and Taylor Gabriel, they're guys. They're guys. That's all they are. They're guys. so I, I I worry about the Bears. I do think they're still a good team. But the more I think about, it, the more I kind of move off of my, my stance from a, a couple months ago, not to be a flip flopper, but it's just it is what it is. The more I think about it, the more I say I just I think they're good. I think they're right in the mix for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But if Trubisky doesn't take that leap, I'm worried about it.
2: Yeah, and I've said this before, and I'm certainly not alone in saying this, but losing the guys that they lost on defense, because they did have a generational defense as as far as what we were expecting with Cleo Matt coming over and guys like Adrian Amos and these guys stepping up when you're like, who is this guy? And then they're like, actually... I'm this guy, (laughs) like I'm going to establish myself to the point where you, you want a divisional rival poaching them in the off season. Like that certainly says a lot. Um, but you know, we mentioned the start of the Brown season, the bears start home against green Bay at Denver, at Washington, home against Minnesota, and then home against Oakland. Quote, that's the London game. So it's not really a home game, but, um, that's not necessarily the easiest stretch, especially if we're talking about the bears as what we think they're going to be. Green Bay, that's a very losable game. You're going to Denver then immediately, so you're in the altitude. If you're coming off yep. a loss, how and do you rebound from that? And then you have to go all the way out to Washington, and who knows what they're going to look like, because they could be a sleeper team in the East. So, and then you're home against Minnesota, who themselves could be fighting for positioning at that point. It's not going to be a cakewalk, I don't think. And Bears fans are going to be in for a rude awakening. I, I had them going 7-9, I think, which yeah. I think is a little aggressive. But I'm going to stand by that. And I'll say this too, and I'll finish my point with this, which is my overall point. I think a lot of the pressure, yes, is on Trubisky. But also fingers are going to get pointed at Matt Nagy if he's not able to figure this out. Because last year he had the shine of he's Andy Reid's disciple. He's right. this guy who's come over and he's going to make, you know, Tariq Cohen is the new Tyreek Hill and all this kind of I mean, thing. And not Mitchell, quite. Not quite. And that's exactly the thing because he goes through Andy Reid's Coaching tree, Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, Pat Schumer, who is an offensive guy. I mean, a lot of these guys are defense, like Sean McDermott, defense, Leslie Frazier, defense. Uh, But is Matt Nagy going to be able to, to bounce back with the Bears? And at one point are the fingers pointed at him because if you're pointing at Matt Trubisky because Trubisky can't perform... You're also pointing it at Nagy because he's not developing him in a certain way. Or building the offense around him in a way that maybe would make him more effective, a la a Josh Allen.
1: Now I'm pointing the finger at Ryan Pace because you took Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes. Yeah. And by the way, it's not a hindsight thing. Everybody and their mother going into that draft that night, we're sitting there going, Trubisky's probably going to be the first guy taken – He's probably the lesser talented of the three guys, mm-hmm. and I've never understood that. I no. remember all the all the while leading up to that draft, this thought of like, well, he's he's got a high floor and a low ceiling. Well, who the hell wants that with a second overall <laughs> pick? So you took Andy Dalton with the second overall pick. No, I, I, well, now look, I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody knew what Mahomes was going to be. If everybody knew what Mahomes was going to be, there would have been some team giving up ten first round picks oh, yeah. to, to to move up to number one and get him. But my, my point is just, and, and frankly, Miles Garrett wouldn't be in Cleveland, Mahomes would be if they knew yeah. that he was going to be that. But uh, Trubisky was always a guy who a lot of people said, well, he doesn't have a real high ceiling. And they passed on, on Watson, who if, if, even if you're not ultra high on him, is a good quarterback and he's better at yeah. Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Mahomes is what he is. So that actually leads into a pretty good segue because I believe my next thing on the list is whether or not Patrick Mahomes will repeat. It is. Can MVP. Patrick Mahomes
2: repeat his MVP? To which I leave the room because it's about to get really loud in here. <laughs> no, look. I, I, look
1: I, I wrote in the piece, um my column, that there have only been a few guys who have repeated his MVPs. And you have the years right in front of you. Peyton Manning, what was it, Oh eight, oh nine. Oh eight, oh nine. Okay, and then it was Favre in 94-95? 95, 96. 95 96. okay. And then before that it was Montana eighty nine, ninety. So... Yeah. The point being, if you're going to do it, you're probably a quarterback. But it's very hard to do, and it's rare. And so I'll get this right out of the way, because this has been a big thing on Chiefs Twitter for months on end. The likelihood that Patrick Mahomes is throwing for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns again this year, borderline impossible. Mm -hmm. The, The likelihood he ever has another season like that again, period, very unlikely. So you're probably going to see regression statistics. And look, the MVP is as much about uh, narrative as it is sometimes about stats. Now, Mahomes was so overwhelming last season that he was going to win. He was going to beat out Drew Brees. But if Brees has another really good year, if Brady somehow with that cast of characters around him has a really good year, if Rodgers has a renaissance in Green Bay, it's going to be hard. Mahomes is going to lose Tyreek Hill at least for some period of time, one would think. The rest of that offense is back. He's going to put up huge numbers. I don't think that's even in question unless he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to repeat his MVP because it's just so hard. Do I think he'll be a really good player again? Yeah. I, and do I think he's going to have a shot? Yeah, I do. I, would I be stunned if he throws for 4,600 yards and 42 touchdowns? No. But if, you, if you're if you saying to me, would I take Mahomes or the field? I take the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though if you said to me, you, you're, it's on your life, give me the guy who's your your mvp favorite him but i would still take the field just because it's likely that one of those guys is a big year maybe he comes back a little bit statistically and that combination you know leads voters go another way
2: yeah i mean if we're talking about breeze having a good year brady having a good year with their cast of characters this circles into a continuous narrative about the field also includes one russell wilson who he could have a renaissance this year he loses Doug Baldwin. we're sitting here saying, who's he going to throw to? I'll tell you what, though, man, so, he,
1: he's got, he's got the freaking uh, Brian Schottenheimer.
2: Yeah, that's the problem. That's a, that's a hangout. You don't up. throw the ball enough. That's, yeah, that's, which is unfortunate because that's why we have to keep having the conversation of, oh, yeah, Russell Wilson's out there. Another guy who's, oh, yeah, that guy's out there. Andrew Luck could have a comeback yes. year. So And who knows? Again, we talked well, about the Browns, but Baker Mayfield could be in the conversation. Luck's
1: not even a comeback here as much as it's just. You could be better, even better, you know, coming off that shoulder injury. Uh, Maybe Carson Wentz finally was healthy. He was going to be the MVP until he tore up his knee that one season. So,
2: yeah, Um, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. With you, I, uh. I'm not picking Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP again because it's going to take another incredible season. Um, but I understand why it's, it's the hype train is real because he is, he is who he is. He's Patrick Mahomes. My problem with that is, you know, the mightier the fall. That's what happens if he regrets. Because literally anything he does other than what he just did, is going to be considered a regression. It's like, oh, he only threw for 40 touchdowns this year. What, what's going on? It's like, what? Well, I'd trade that for yeah. my team in a second. So, but what happens if he does struggle? What happens if there is, we get to the middle of the season, and it's like, man, he doesn't look like he did last year. Yeah. Or what happens when the first time he does the left-handed throw and it's a pick six? Like, oh, that's, that's going to happen. <laughs> well, I know, and that's the yeah. thing. So we're kind of in this grace period with Patrick Mahomes, which I enjoy as a football fan and enjoy for your sanity. Um, yeah, but what happens when, cause it's going to happen at some point or, you know, the, whole, the, what happens when he gets injured and he misses some games. Cause it happens with everybody. I mean, Brady tore his ACL. It's common. Like it's going to happen at some point.
1: It better not. <laughs> it better not. Um, look, I'll, I'll leave it at this with the Mahomes thing. People in Kansas city, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them need to just calm down yeah. a little bit. Look, guys, gals, he, he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards of a year. And guess what? If your defense isn't a total tire fire, he doesn't have to throw for 5,000 yards. Mm-hmm. He throws for 4,400 yards, and 38 touchdowns. That's an unbelievable year. So just calm down. There's so many people just freak out if you suggest that he's going to regress. Chief fans, I grew up a Chief fan. I'm, I'm still a Chief fan. I, I don't hide that. Like, a little bit of a sensitive bunch at times. Just rein it in. Okay, and God knows like every fan base has their sensitive people in it, but I think part of it is they've gone now 50 years out of winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's been an over with Francis for a long time because it's a flower country. And this year, if you don't win the Super Bowl, this whole thing's a failure. Yeah, it's a failure. There's no middle ground with this team. It's not look last year they got the AFC title game, and then D Ford got involved, <laughs> and they lost. And everybody, it was crushing, but it was also this feeling of, man, that was a lot of fun. We got to the A C title game. We mm-hmm. haven't been there since 1993. They go to the A C title game this year, and they lose. Nobody is going to walk no. away from that going, well, that was a fun year. That There's was always next gonna, year. It's going to be like, what the hell? Why didn't we go to the Super Bowl? So for me, look, the Mahomes thing with the MVP stuff, it's important and it matters. He can win the MVP this year. <laughs> Nobody in Kansas City is going to care if it doesn't come with a Super Bowl trophy attached.
2: Two teams that are not going to be in the Super Bowl this year. Or if they are, it might be because of one of these two guys. The Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. who I are mean, not going to be in the Super Bowl this year. Who has the better season? You buckle up for the Cardinals-Dolphins Super Bowl. It's going to happen. <laughs> Could you imagine? I don't wish no, that on my worst enemy.
1: How, by the way, how many, like, how many fans would show up there? Now, actually, the game, see game's in Miami this year, so that's probably a bit. Yeah. But let's say the game was. Let's say it was in New Orleans. Would 100 fans cumulatively show up for those two fan bases? (laughs) That is
2: a corporate Super Bowl, capital C, (laughs) capital SB.
1: A lot of people showing up with socks and sandals. Yeah.
2: Who who has the better season, though? Assuming, probably very correctly, neither of them end up in the Super Bowl. Josh Rosen in Miami, or Kyler Murray, his successor slash replacement slash new... The the other woman who is in Arizona.
1: I'm going to say Rosen, and I don't... I don't know that I'm necessarily confident either guy having a great year because Rosen's in a brutal situation. The Dolphins, not a good team, not a lot of help on the outside. Although some people really do think Devontae Parker is going to take that next step. I got to see him do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I need to see him finally make that move. But uh, – and by the way, there's one kid that the Dolphins got out of the draft and I am blanking on his name. Hell, if you Google it, it'd be huge. Colorado State receiver went to the Dolphins. He is immensely talented, immensely talented, and is someone who has already turned some heads at OTAs. When I was in Mobile, I, I believe his name is Preston Williams, receiver out of Colorado State, and he had some off-field concerns. Uh, he transferred from Tennessee to Colorado State. All kinds of nonsense during his college years, but. Well, I talked to one scout who told me, look, if he didn't have that, no question about it, he's a second-round pick all day long. Might even be pushing for the first. Thought he was as good as Nikhil Harry. And the Dolphins getting him, he's somebody to watch. I'll take Rosen because I think that kid's a sleeper. Parker is talented. And I, I like Brian Flores coming in there and kind of stabilizing the situation alongside Chris Greer, their GM. But I will say, I do worry about the Dolphins offensively. The Cardinals, I'm just worried, just period. Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury's a head coach who couldn't win it,
2: it, the Big 12 oh, with God. Mahomes Patrick Mahomes in the he Big 12 could, he couldn't win with Mahomes he couldn't beat Big 12 so defenses I, I
1: just like that concerns the heck out of me Murray being 5 foot 9 concerns the hell out of me and I love their draft they didn't touch the offensive line nope Offensive line's terrible so I, I like that I think Rosen's going to have a bounce-back year, and I think Murray's going to learn why Rosen needs to have a bounce-back year.
2: Yeah, Preston Williams is the guy. He went undrafted. Okay. He signed well over a week after the draft, so he, he sat out there. He's,
1: he's an absurdly talented kid. So he
2: could be a guy that we look back on as one of the, every year we have these undrafted free agents who end up being stars. May He may end up being that. I'm, I'm still dying on this hill that I think Josh Rosen – and I. Don't want to back off it too much, but I feel like he got redrafted this year by the Dolphins. But I still think that he's going to end up in ten years. We're looking back, and Rosen is one, two, one or two. When we look back and the quarterbacks that were taken in his draft class, and saying he's a top guy, because now he has two fires lit underneath him. He had the first one with the Cardinals, where it's like, oh, nine guys passed on I me. Mean, there was nine mistakes before me. I'm like, I like that. That's. That's Aaron Rodgers-esque, the, the, the bravado that you have. And then to be the unwanted child the entire season, and then you get dumped in Miami after your first year, that to me, he's either going to bust out and we're going to see it right away, or he's going to go on and this is going to be something that motivates him. And I feel like he's a chip-on-the-shoulder type of guy because he was that way at UCLA, up to the point where Jim Moore is crapping on him, going into the draft saying, oh, this guy reads. Like, I don't know if he's going to be a good quarterback.
1: Like, it's amazing. He man, can so string what, together a sentence. What a knock is. <laughs>
2: like, geez.
1: He, uh, you know he, he likes to better himself away from the field. Can't have that.
2: Well, you saw the tweet about Texas. They were, they were touting yes. their uh, team GPA at 2.9. Imagine if I went home in high school or college and said, hey, mom, I got a 2.9 GPA. Wouldn't wrong, go over well.
1: I'm the wrong person to ask because I had a 2.83 career GPA <laughs> in college, and I think my parents were thrilled to death it was that. So, But yeah, I, I know I, where you're driving at, and I just think it's funny. Some of these teams,
2: it's it, incredible. It, they're
1: literally annoyed by the fact that some of these guys on their team are smart, which is just an well, it's, abominable it's, it's a, I think it's
2: a thing where it's they feel intimidated because Josh Rosen is the smartest guy in the room, smarter than the head coach. And then you look at it, and you're fearful of a situation where you have a McCarthy and a Rodgers where Rodgers is the superior intellect and McCarthy's getting massages during meetings but if I'm a if I'm a GM or if I'm a head coach I want the quarterback to be the smartest guy in yeah. the room because I'm not on the field absolutely Peyton like, Manning's
1: probably the smartest guy in that room
2: yeah his entire career so we're gonna Perfect. see if Brian Flores is gonna let him flourish a little bit and take the lead but Rosen's gonna have the better season I think We're going to look back at it a little bit differently at the end of the year and say, man, the Cardinals probably shouldn't have done that. And I'm here for the fireworks in Arizona. That would be amazing. There's John Gruden and the Raiders fireworks, and then there's Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals fireworks. And those two teams, if we're talking a Super Bowl, can we have an anti-Super Bowl where they meet at the end of the year and play each other? Yeah, they
1: play it in some absurd. (laughs) They play it in, like, Albuquerque.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Send them to Serbia. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Okay, next one. Speaking of whom. What the hell are the Raiders?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what I wrote word <laughs> in the <laughs> column.
2: Uh, a freak show. It's a, you have very bad yeah. <laughs> in bold italics right here. Yeah.
1: Well, because I think I wrote, if I'm not mistaken, if it goes bad, it's going to be very bad. bad. Like, Big time. It, it's not going to be one of these things where you're all like, yeah, six and ten. Like It's going to just go downhill in a way that... Mayock quits after 14 games because he just can't take Gruden anymore. 14? And, he lasts that long. And Gruden's unhinged. I, look, the, the ultimate issue I have with the Raiders is they traded Mack and Cooper, and their whole mantra after that was, we're going for scores to earth, we're going to totally rebuild the team. Which, okay, fine. <laughs> but then you turn around and you're bringing in all these veteran guys on this team again, which, by the way, is what Gruden did last season. Now, Antonio Brown is a great player. And Tyrell Williams, I had multiple agents tell me, hey, he's, he's going to be the top guy getting a wide receiver Might not call Tate. And they were right in terms of uh, both total and, and average annual salary. So I don't mind that. And you got Brown for song and dance. What I do mind is you're putting Brown and Vontes perfect, who's totally shot, by the way. He can't move anymore. The Bengals were atrocious defensively. And we're like, you know what will make us better? Cutting Vontez, Perfect. And the Raiders are like, you know what will make us even better? Signing Vontaze Perfect. And then Richie Incognito. Oh, God, I forgot about that.
2: I'd blocked like, it from my Rich memory. Richie
1: Incognito. The man, and I don't say this jokingly, needs mental help. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google it. Yeah. I mean, there is some stuff where he's threatening funeral home workers. And he, and he thought that he was being followed by the government. I mean, there is some crazy, crazy stuff going on, Rich Incognito, who was a guard for the Bills, did not play last mm-hmm. year. Now that Raiders are bringing this guy back, after they traded Kelechi Assembly, who they could have afforded, they traded mm-hmm. him for like a six or seven round pick to the Jets, what are you
2: doing? And then they gave all that money to Trent Brown.
1: Is, oh, and then move him to, ta- to right tackle. <laughs> like There is no plan. And everybody says, well, they're bringing in all this talent, who cares? They're not talented. It's not like they were like one or two players away. They were like twelve players away. And Trent Brown, the only real good year he ever had was at left tackle with the Pats. And Dante Scarnecchia, who's probably the greatest offensive line coach of his generation, now he's going to the Raiders. They're moving him to right tackle so they can keep Colton Miller, who was a total crap show at left tackle as a rookie last year. They're going to keep him there. They have Tom Cable coaching that group. They've Gruden as head coach. Antonio Brown couldn't be bothered to show up for the first day of OTA. Just, there is so much going on with that team. I don't see how it ends up well, uh, but I could certainly see how it ends up just horribly off the tracks poorly. I'll
2: tell you what it is. It's a traveling circus. (laughs) Because you mentioned Antonio Brown and Vontez Burfitt. Are we all forgetting the playoff game in which Vontez Burfitt tried to take Antonio Brown's head off? And that rivalry in which every single time those two teams met, it was bad news. Like, my God. So that's, yeah, they're, they're a traveling circus. And I'm waiting for the, the time in the season when Tyrell Williams has more receiving stats than Antonio Brown and Derek Carr, because Antonio Brown is freelancing and running around like it's Sandlot football and Tyrell Williams is running routes, all of a sudden Derek Carr's favoring Tyrell Williams. And what does that do to Antonio Brown where he's like, I'm not getting the ball. This is a recipe for disaster. And I am so incredibly here for all of the chaos. I cannot express to you how excited I am.
1: Like, the, the other side is too is just think about the division. Everybody gets all hopped up before they think about all the context of it. There's no chance they're better than Kansas City or Los Angeles.
2: No, I don't even like, know if they're better than zero. Denver.
1: Well, I know you said multiple times. You don't think they are. I think they're about even. But my point is, even if you think they're better than Denver, fine. They're not better than those two teams. They're not winning a game against either one of those two teams. Mm -mm. Kansas City's going to score 50 points in both of those outings. And then the Chargers, they're going to wax them twice. So I think the Raiders are more talented. I don't think they're good. And we could go on and on, but we don't have to. There's just so many things. They... They took a running back in the first round of the draft. Yeah. What are you doing? You have no defense. You took Cleveland Farrell over Josh Allen and Ed Oliver. And you know, you know, might get eight sacks. We know that. We know he's not as good of a pass rusher as Josh Allen, but he's a hell of a guy in practice. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Cleveland Farrell is going to be able to rein in Gruden, Antonio Brown, perfect and Incognito. I'm sure all those guys will defer to Cleveland Farrell. That, that'll work. That'll, that'll make everything better.
2: Yeah. The uh, the Raiders are also not better than any of the other AFC wildcard teams. Which kinda leads oh. into the next our next uh, topic here, which is which AFC East team will be a surprise playoff contender, which is kinda what I was looking at with the wild card, because we kinda talked about Miami. That hinges on Josh Rosen a lot. I've already died on the hill and will continue to die on the hill, that the Bills are gonna be the second best team in that division. The best if you take out the Patriots, because the Patriots are de facto yeah, the, best. Be the best. Uh, and then the Jets, who it looked like, hey, maybe they got their stuff together here. This could be, be pretty good. You know, C.J. Mosley comes over. They yeah. got some, some additions in the offseason. Sam Darnold finally has Adam Gaze, who we both agree got a bad shake in Miami. And then they decided, to, or remembered, I guess, that they were the Jets. And... I really
1: wonder. Like, Woody Johnson, Chris Johnson, <laughs> were they on the phone talking to each other. You know, Chris is driving into the Meadowlands they're like, you know, things are going good. We got Bell. We got Mosley. Darn all these into form. And then one of them, like, there's just like a pause. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We own the Jets. Like, oh, God damn. You know, and then <laughs> I and then like, "What you other, I'll fix this. And it's just complete chaos. I swear to God, I, I think there's like a 50-50 shot. To
2: die right, I buy it. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that you don't think that the Jets are going to be the surprise playoff contender in the AFC East. I actually do. Oh, do you? Do I tell. Do.
1: Because I believe in the quarterback far more and I believe in the other two guys that we're talking mm. about. Very good. I think Bell and Crowder are really good additions offensively, as is Assembly, who nobody ever remembers. Mm, yeah. So that matters. I think Jamal Adams is a winner. I think he will continue to help them get better defensively. Greg Williams is a nutcase, but he's a really good coordinator. Yep. Like, and I know, look. Like, there are some things he does. He plays, you know, when he was in Cleveland, Jabril Peppers is basically playing in the parking lot as a deep safety. So, I'm not, I'm not defending everything Williams does. But he brings a mentality. Yep. There's no doubting that. I think the Jets are better in Miami. And the reason I wrote that as one of my column topics is, I think the Bills are interesting. Yep. Uh, but I trust Arnold. And I think Darnold's going to overcome a lot of this nonsense. And I also think by the time we get to training camp, nobody's going to remember all this crap. No. It's not going to matter. But I really do think that conversation between the Johnsons might have happened. And I also think there are days where Woody Johnson's sitting in the owner's box at the stadium, just, pe- just gazing out. And he's just thinking about it. And then he, like, him and Gettleman go to, like a, go to a banquet or something, and they see each other, and it's like, I'm going to be more incompetent than you this week. And Gettleman's like, the hell you are. I'm going to draft Daniel Jones. And then it's just just an absolute, like, who can get to the top of the mountain faster? And it's been quite the race.
2: Well, speaking of whom, how long until we see Daniel Jones? And does he prove everyone wrong? Are we sitting here at the end of the season saying, you know what? Daniel Jones wasn't a bad pick. No. (laughs) We're not
1: sitting here saying that. The funny thing is, when we were walking in here, I was looking at my phone. I was going to my Twitter feed. And the three successive tweets were how Josh, Josh Allen, not his day, in Bill's camp, Sam Darnold having a terrible day with the Jets, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones both being just atrocious at Giants' camp. So it's been, it's been a banner day for the three New York young quarterbacks uh, and one very old one. But I wrote in the column, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe I said week seven.
2: Yep. because Thursday night in Foxborough.
1: Because they're going well, to play that game week six, Mm -hmm. and they're going to get killed. And at that point, they're like 1-5 or 0-6. 0-6. And and (laughs) and Mike Frances is actually screaming loud enough he doesn't need a microphone at WFAN in New York. I think you're going to see the Giants finally just go, you know what, Mm -hmm. we got to do something. Pat Shermer's going to be hearing those footsteps for his job. Yep. And he's going to look at the schedule and he's saying, we got a mini bye, Mm -hmm. and then we host the Cardinals. We can win that game. And this is the best time ever to get Daniel Jones involved. I think that's when you're going to see him. I do not think he's going to be very good. Partially because I think that team's infrastructure is a mess and they don't have a lot yeah. of talent. Partially because when I was in Mobile, you know, we watched all the practices. And I talked to multiple scouts, multiple you know, personnel executives, and everybody had the same opinion. Daniel Jones down there. So, and by the way, i shock shocked I did not talk to the Giants about Daniel Jones. Um, they, they, they do not speak to people down there. But um, the consensus was... He's just not that good. I mean, I had one guy flat out say to me during a throwing throw of his, this guy should be a fifth-round pick. He's terrible. But some team's going to panic and take him in the first round. And I don't even think that guy thought he was going sixth overall. But here we are. So, no. I don't, I don't think Daniel Jones will prove everybody wrong. I hope for his sake he does. But I, I don't see it happening.
2: Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard are his top two targets. And then Evan Ingram, which I forgot that Golden Tate signed with the Giants. Not because I don't pay attention, but because it's just so underwhelming that team like what are they gonna do I think the better question and you answered it is when does he start and I think going if you put him in a game in which he can play better than Kyler Murray that's gonna the optics of that I think matters for the New York media where they can win that game and maybe he gets some good favor even if it's just one week perhaps the only week of his career that he could be you know on the good side of the press which You know, you lived in New York, and we've all seen outside what the New York media influence is like for any player, specifically a young player who is already out of his depth. Um, I think that that's a pretty good one for for the Giants to roll out Daniel Jones. However... The best time to roll him out would have been never because they never even drafted him. But that's a conversation that's been beaten into the ground, and we'll have to relook at this again. But if anything, it, it re-heightens the 30-for-30 30 30 that we're going to see one day about the Giants passing on Sam Darnold to take Saquon Barkley, and then the year after that, passing on Josh Rosen twice, a year before, and then this most recent year, to take Daniel Jones. But we'll see, because the quarterback is everything in the NFL, which... Leads us to number eight. We'll go from New York to the other side of the country, West Coast. Is this finally the year that the San Francisco 49ers make their move? They've got Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan has his guy in Jimmy Garoppolo. This team has been forged in the image and the vision of uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So-so results thus far. But is this the year it finally all comes together, given everybody stays healthy?
1: It better, because you're going to start getting some warm seats out in Santa Clara. Everybody loved, and I was one of them, so I'm on board with it, but everybody loved the draft a few years ago, and they got Solomon Thomas, yep. and then they traded back, and they got Ruben Foster, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, this is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Solomon Thomas stinks, and Reuben Foster's on the Redskins uh, because they caught him because he was accused of domestic violence. or Multiple times with yeah. the 49ers, yep. too. So that's what you're dealing with. Okay, Lynch was hailed as a genius for that draft. And it hasn't worked out. And look, he's not the first jam that was held as a genius for a draft that didn't work out, but he's the most recent mm-hmm. case. Um, if you're the 49ers, you need Garoppolo on the field for 16 games, and you need to see some results. Because <laughs> if he's out there and they go 6 and 10, I don't care how great of an offensive coach Shanahan is. Who cares? What a game. Yeah. Do something. And I don't blame him for last year. You lose your quarterback, you got no shot in the NFL. I'm not criticizing that, but I will criticize Lynch on this. You look at that roster; they've had a million top ten picks. They've had so much draft capital. They've had a, a boatload of, of cap space in an area where players would love to go and play. And you look at that roster; it's underwhelming. Marquise Goodwin, I like him a lot. He's a good receiver, but is he a true number one? Probably not. Number like two, George Kittle is obviously a, a great tight end. Their running back situation is okay. It's a Mm -hmm. bunch of guys. I like McGlitchie. I think he's going to be a really good tackle for them. But their offensive line is kind of hit and miss, depending on what position you're looking at. Defensively, my God, they've invested what feels like 38 first-round picks in that line. Mm -hmm. has already got a hamstring injury. Solomon Thomas stinks. Eric Armstead, eh, okay. DeForest buckner has been the one player who has hit. He's been very good. They signed your former... Uh, Buccaneer, Juan Alexander. Alexander, to a contract that a lot of people looked at and said, What did they just do? Yep. They traded for D Ford, who D Ford can rush the passer. He got a lot of opportunities to do that in Kansas City when they were up by 14 points. Mm-hmm. How does that play in San Francisco? Because I'll tell you right now, he's tremendous when he's healthy, he hasn't always been, and he cannot play against the run. Cannot mm-hmm. do it. Teams will run the ball at him every single snap. If you don't believe me, go watch the film. Their secondary has a lot of questions. It's not that the Niners aren't talented, because we just talked about a lot of talented guys, but they've never won anything. Mm Garoppolo has never proven anything. I think the Niners will compete for a playoff spot this year. I don't think they'll get one. I think they'll be in the mix. So I would say that I think there's going to be a positive outlook coming out of this year, but there has to be. Because if there's not, then I think you really do get to a point like, how long are we going to let John Lynch be the jam here? How yeah. long are we gonna let Kyle Shanahan be the head coach? And how long are we gonna run with Jimmy Garoppolo? Especially if he gets hurt again. Mm-hmm. At some point, you gotta say, look, I, yeah, he showed something in six games. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't mean he's gonna be great for fifteen years.
2: Yeah, and well, you mentioned D Ford looked really good rushing the passer up fourteen points. Jimmy Garoppolo looked real good when he was coming in with the team that at that were they still winless when he came in? Did he give them the first win? did one win. There so one in 9 1-10. It's the equivalent of being up by 14. Like, he's, he's playing with house money. And he was fresh off of the New England system. Now he's been away from that for a little while. How different is Shanahan's system? Uh, they start the season at Tampa Bay, at Cincinnati, then home against Pittsburgh. And this is the tough part. Their bye week is week four.
1: Oof. That's, that's it. Cool. And then they come
2: out of the gate, and they're home against Cleveland, at the Rams, at the Redskins, the, the uh, Panthers. So we like to say, and, you know, everybody says this too. You got to get those wins early. Early wins count at the end of the season. Those are some tough early wins because at the end of the season they close out week 14 at New Orleans, home against the Falcons, home against the Rams, at the Seahawks. If your playoff life is on the line in the last three or four weeks of that season, like you're gonna go to New Orleans and say, hey. That's my must win game. Like, our playoff life is on the line, and we have to win in the Superdome against the Saints team that either is also going to be fighting for their lives or riding this season of revenge where they're just railroading everybody. And you said that's week 17? That is week 14.
1: Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, if it's week 17, maybe you get lucky and it's. Well, <laughs> the week 17. Saints have clinched everything.
2: Well, week 17 is at Seattle, so they very well could be battling they, for a wild that, card spot. Yeah, that, so that that's could a be tough. tough. Game. So, hurts. yeah, I didn't. I'm really concerned about what the four downers are because it seems like they've bided their time. And now this is the season that, yeah, things are supposed to line up and work. And they're supposed to. We're supposed to look at that schedule and say, yeah, they can go to Seattle and win. Yeah, maybe they can go to New Orleans and make right. it a game. But I can't say that because I haven't seen anything that fills me with no, a lot of confidence. I
1: haven't either. And I, and I look at the NFC, and I'll leave it on this note. I, the Rams are better than them. Mm-hmm. The Saints are better than them. The Falcons are more talented than them. Okay. I know the Falcons held a lot of injuries last year. They're better. The Packers are better. The, the Bears are better. The Vikings are, are probably better. Uh, and then the Eagles, maybe even Dallas. So I, yeah. I think San Francisco could be in the mix. I think we take a lot of things going right from the Maple Plaza.
2: Another team that is hoping to be in the mix. we got two more. Number nine, the Carolina Panthers. And it all rests literally, quite literally, on the shoulder of Cam Newton. How does that hold up this year with Cam Newton? We saw him draft Will Greer, and he's not necessarily a guy that they drafted to be a successor this no, year. But there's pressure there. Will Greer is a notable name. He's a notable talent. And if things start to go sideways, we might start looking to him and say, hey, 2020, Will Greer might be the starting quarterback of this team. I don't think that that's going to be what happens. But the unfortunate narrative with Cam Newton seems to be health. And now this shoulder seems to be the push comes to shove thing for the Panthers.
1: Well, I believe it's the second shoulder surgery mm-hmm. he's had yep. on that throwing shoulder. And I, I wrote in the column, didn't read it. He's just started now throwing a regulation size NFL football. Yep. And good? everybody's like, oh, "It's fine. He'll be back for camp. It's fine. It's fine." Look, you know, you know what else I was said uh, a couple of years ago when Andrew Luck? It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine until it wasn't fine. He was on the pup list, and he was out for the year. Yep. Again, I, I'm not saying, "Oh, he's definitely out." But what I am saying is, yeah, there's major cause for concern. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's June, and he just started throwing a football. And nobody knows how hard is he throwing that football. Is he tossing it? Is he throwing it like he's throwing an NFL pass? Mm-hmm. I guess I'm probably thinking not.
2: Also, he's not taking contact.
1: The other side of this is just, too. Cam Newton's on the wrong side of thirty, Not mm-hmm. by much, but he is. He's been a – and I commend him for this, but he's been a guy who's always been a physical player. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to take off and take a hit and, and go for that extra yard. And I respect the hell out of him for it. But guys like that typically don't age very well. No. So, you know, like you said, well, Brady. But Brady never takes a hit. Mm-mm. Brady's on the ground. Ten seconds frame, if he gets in the I See, I'm Manning, my guy, that got to the point it was comical. I mean, paid Manning just to go down right after the snap. <laughs> so, you know, and hey, you know what? Those guys played a long time. Yep. I just wonder how does that all hold up? As time goes on. And so if I'm Carolina, yeah, I'm concerned about the shoulder. Because you can talk to me all day long about that it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I need to see if it's fine before I believe it.
2: Yeah, I've got the Panthers significantly missing the playoffs this year. And going into this off season or this upcoming off season, having fired Ron Rivera, having serious questions about what does the future look like at quarterback? So like, a
1: down year in Carolina.
2: A normal year in Carolina. <laughs> um, but... And I don't think Will Greer is the future in Carolina, but he's going to be a guy that is mentioned because he is the developmental quarterback, third-round quarterback. He's a guy that a lot of people saw at Florida. A lot of people saw at West Virginia. He's, he's a notable guy. People love the backup quarterback. There's no more popular player on any NFL team than the backup quarterback. And I tell you that as a Vikings fan who, granted, it was Christian Ponder was the starting quarterback, but Joe Webb was everybody's favorite quarterback. Like, put in Joe Webb. But enjoy, who started a playoff game in Lambeau? Yes, so, did. But the point is— You
1: should clarify that you're not a Vikings fan. You're from Minnesota. Well, I'm from Minnesota. I'm, I'm not a Vikings are gonna, fan. I'm going to get emails you know, you're, you're doubling back. You're rooting for two teams now.
2: Oh, I would actually be falling on two swords for people because yeah. those are two teams of pain. Yeah. Um, but the, the point being, uh, Cam Newton, while you're, I'm with you 100%, it's very admirable that he is the type of physical player that he is. That catches up to you. And it's a lot like the 49ers where we're like, this is the year where they're supposed to be coming through and establishing themselves as a force. Cam Newton's put his body on the line his entire career, and what does he have to show for it? He went to one Super Bowl? Yeah. And like... Had one great year. That's it. So, last one, and it's another quarterback, and we're staying in the NFC South. Speaking of my favorite team... (laughs) Uh, does Bruce Arian pull his greatest trick yet and perhaps his grand finale to his coaching career and fix Jameis Winston? This is a guy who coached Ben Roethlisberger. This is a guy who, he was was in uh, Arizona with Kurt Warner, wasn't he?
1: Uh, No, uh, Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer.
2: How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K unreasonably good
1: Andrew Locke and Andrew Locke and Peyton that's right, oh, that's and right. And Ken and Wisenhunt
2: Manning. is who I'm thinking of yes. with, with, with uh, that was also a former track. a former Steelers coordinator yep. getting mixed up there but point being good track record is he able to go in and do what seems to be the absolute most impossible thing and make Jameis Winston a good quarterback
1: he'll all see to you thoughts
2: <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, I'm of two minds, because the one thing is, it's the last year of Jameis Winston's contract, okay? They haven't extended him. They're going to have to pay big money if he comes out and has a comeback player of the year type of season where he throws for, you know, close to, well over 4,000 yards, close to 5,000 yards. He throws 40-some touchdowns, and he has this type of season that people think that Bruce Arians can bring out of him because he's the quarterback whisperer. Is that a good thing for Tampa? Because Bruce Arians isn't here for the long haul. How much of this is going to be Bruce Arians imparting his knowledge on a Jameis Winston? and How much of it could be a one-year fluke? If he has one good year and then he just progresses to being Jameis Winston that we've seen the past couple of years for the rest of his career, bad investment. It's almost better if Arians is the guy who's like, look, I can't get anything out of him. And I'm the guy who would be able to get something out of him. Let's draft Tua. Let's draft, you know, Fromm. Let's draft... Uh, Herbert, one of these guys coming out of college next year, let me develop him as my, you know, the Patrick Mahomes to my Andy Reid, my last grand act as this quarterback whisperer head coach. That's almost the better situation for the Bucks. The, the problem with Jameis Winston is he's not a bad quarterback. He has a lot of talent. He got a big arm. But there's a reason he wasn't able to connect on the deep ball with Deshaun Jackson over the last couple of seasons. There's a reason that they're losing games in the fourth quarter. It's because he turns the ball over. And at what point is that, yeah, he can grow out of that. I'll teach it. I'll coach him away from that. And how much of is that he's just that guy? How much – because they showed – and I'll see the floor to you after this. But they showed – I saw this fumble two years ago, and I've seen this gift numerous times. But it seems like yesterday that we're watching the Rose Bowl against Oregon, and Jameis Winston's flopping backwards, and the ball's flying, and he's at Florida State. That's five years ago. And he did that exact same thing against the Packers two years ago. And last year, he was benched. So, and because of the turnovers. At what point is that too much? And I think we've already reached that point. Arians is just kind of going through the motions to see. And I'd love it if he gets a lot out of him and he's able to, to make him a number one overall pick, which a lot of people at this point forget that he was. But I'd rather have Arians fix him than say next year, all right, Jameis Winston is our most recent number one overall bust.
1: I think that Winston will have the best year to date of his career under Arians. Mm-hmm. I do. I think Bruce Arians is a really good head coach. And I'll tell you one thing. Bruce Arians is not going to put up with any of his crap.
2: No. That's a Bruce, bonus.
1: Bruce Arians will tell him, I don't care who you are. You are on a 50-year option without an extension. I'm Bruce Arians. I've got this resume. What's your resume? He's not going to care. So, Bruce Arians is a guy who a lot of players love and respect. Mm-hmm. And some other players fear him, frankly. But I... I think he's going to get something out of Winston. Now, my question with Winston is, just because I'm saying he's going to have the best year of his career, not a huge bar. No. Because you're right. In one, like, He has talent. <coughs> Excuse me. He has talent, but turnovers, man. God, Brutal. It never stops. If they can't have to stop turning the ball over, I think he's done after this show. I really mm-hmm. do. I think Aaron's – because I think light will be gone. Aaron's a thought the next try to clean house. So – I think especially of his career, but I still think. (coughs) Excuse me. I still think the turnovers are just a problem. I don't know if he can fix.
2: Yeah, and like he's he's ranking up there with uh, with Eli Manning and with Blake Bortles as a quarterback who is just completely unable to stop turning the ball over. It's incredible. So you look at what he's been able to do over the course of his career. And there's nothing there for him. There's absolutely nothing there to show for him. And it's so incredibly frustrating to look at all of these teams. And you're coming out of the Josh Freeman era, and you're saying, oh, yeah, we're finally going to get the guy. We're finally able to move on. This is going to be you know, we've number one overall pick. Everything's set up. He even had Todd Monken, and he had Dirk Cutter the other year, who are two – not offensive geniuses, but they're two guys who are able to take an offense and put up 500 yards in a game, and they're still losing games. And some of that was on the defense, yeah. But a lot of that was, man, if he just wouldn't have turned the ball over in that one spot, or man, if he just wouldn't have thrown that pick. Like, the the comparisons with Baker Mayfield to Brett Favre – Are what I wanted with Jameis Winston early in his career. Where it's, yeah, he's a gunslinger. He's going to force the ball in there. He's going to try to get in a tight window, but he's going to, it's going to work out. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be a case where Baker Mayfield is what the next generation of a Brett Favre looks like, and Jameis Winston is what a guy who thinks he can be a Brett Favre, or who we think might be a Brett Favre, ends up becoming when he just can't get over that hump. And there's, that's the big difference.
1: Well, for me, and I'm, I'll, I'll wrap up, but I just think you can live with some turnovers like those Farvian turnovers where it's third and 12, you're at midfield, and you're just going to try to fit one in there 25, 30 yards down field and You get picked off, you get picked off. It's not huh? the end of the world. The problem with Winston is they're just dumb turnovers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're turnovers where they're in the red zone, and he's running around like a nut job. He fumbles the ball because so he gets hit by three guys at once. Or he throws a ball into traffic in the, in the end zone. Or, or, or deep in his own territory. Yeah, It's so, like, Jameis, just throw the ball away. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Just chunk it. And then, look, if your defense doesn't hold down the four, then it's on the defense. That's, that's their job. They get paid to. they got to stop these. But I, <clears throat> there are just too many times with him where they're either in their own red zone or they're in the other red zone. You know, they're, they're moving in for a score. He turns the ball over. I know it was a preseason game. It might have been from last year. You'll probably know immediately. They are playing Jacksonville. He was almost... He was being sacked. He was almost on his back, like parallel to the field, Mm -hmm. and threw the ball straight up in the air like a punt, and got intercepted in the inside. It was one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. I think Arians will get that out of him. And if he does, I think the world is Jameis Winston's oyster, so to speak. But if he can't fix him then I, I think you have to move on.
2: Oh, absolutely. I,
1: I don't know. What, what do you, you keep going down this road? But You're going to give him a six-year contract looking like this? So.
2: No, and Arians isn't going to let that happen because, as we said at the start of this, this is Bruce Arians' last hurrah. He's yep. riding off into the sunset with this job, and he's not going to tether that to a guy who does exactly what you say. Like the, my, my last point on this is I was watching him a couple of times last year, and he took a sack. Instead of throwing the ball, instead of fumbling it away, instead of trying to make something happen where it wasn't there, and I was happy with that. I was like, "Man, he finally took a sack. That's year four. That's not what. That's not the development you're looking for in year four. So we'll see what Arians has to do. But my God, this is—it's just more of the same.
1: Well, on that lovely note for you, <laughs> it's, we'll you it's lovely. It's been a, 15 years of that. We'll You'll get you to a bar somewhere. Um, so. Those are the 10 things that I wrote down in my column that I'm looking forward to seeing how they play out. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. Again, hopefully, if you read it, you'll learn a little more as we kind of expounded upon it. And he'll put his spin on it. And if you didn't read the column, well, what are you doing? Read the column. Read it? Yeah, what, do you, what do you have better to do at 6 a.m. on a Monday? <laughs> and, and really, the better question. like If it's 10 a.m. on a Monday, what are you doing?
2: Are you looking for some escapism you're, in the or, work
1: week? And you're just, you are just losing the will to live at 10 a.m. on a Monday. My column, it'll help you out. I want to thank our sponsors at Fanatics. As always, go to fanatics.fanside.com, Save 20% on shipping with the code word FANSIDED. They're great partners. I've said a million times why I'll say it again. Jerseys, hats, shirts, memorabilia, you name it. Fanatics has you covered. It is the one-stop shop for all fans. So make sure to go ahead and check them out. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. As always, if you're on Twitter, go check out Stack in the Box. We upload all the podcasts every week. And once the season gets rolling, we'll have plenty of football thoughts uh, throughout on that handle. Uh, we also, in addition to that, it, of course, are on iTunes. You're listening to the podcast. But if you haven't subscribed, please do. Uh, give us a like, give us a rating. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, and then any and all feedback's welcome, whether it's on our Twitter accounts for both Hill and I. Or uh, first.last at fanside.com For email, you have a question, you have a concern, you have something you want to hear on the podcast, by all means, let us know. Uh, We'd love to do it. Uh, So we are looking forward to that. And for us, on a personal note, one thing that's exciting is uh, Fansided, we're based out of Chicago, for those who don't know. We are moving into a new office in about seven weeks, and we're going to have a brand new podcast studio. Podcast
2: studio, and
1: when that comes, uh, weekly guests are going to come, and we'll have well have players on, we'll have coaches on, we'll have agents and, and so on and so forth, GMs. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, stacking, it's going to be almost like stacking the box two point oh. Going to ratchet it That's up,
2: right? The next evolution.
1: So, uh, but we'll be here each and every week, um, you know, and and moving forward. Got more OTAs in minicamp, and then a long break until training camp. There's plenty to talk about. So, all that being said, thank you so much for listening. For Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderame. We'll be back again next week.